Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I want everybody to see you for what you are. The best kept secret in the NFL. You are the man. You ready? Yep. Let's go. Let's walk. My name is Jerry Maguire. I'm a sports agent. You could say I'm at the top of my game, but something just isn't right. Jerry Maguire! What can I do for you, Rod? Show me the money. Get off my day! Show me the money! Money! Can you sign my card? Sorry, little fella. I can't sign this brand of card. Only Pro Jam Blue Dot cards. And lately, it's getting worse. Came here to let you go. Pardon me? I came here to fire you, Jerry. Don't worry. I'm not going to do what you all think I'm going to do, which is just flip out! Who's coming with me? Who is coming with me? I will go with you. Dorothy Boyd. Thank you. We're going to be okay because I am going to take my one client and we are going to go all the way. Help me, Rod. Help me help you. Help me help you. Hello and welcome to Rewatchability. We are an Entertainment One podcast on the Entertainment One Podcast Network and we're here to entertain you (laughs) (laughs) are you not entertained (laughs) give us a thumbs up or thumbs down like the gladiator um we are here to talk about a pretty big movie from 1996 but before we get into it i just want to thank our patreons thank you so much for going to patreon.com slash rewatchability and and throwing us some some change there show us the money (laughs) rob's been waiting all week for that (laughs) and i just wanted to say it first (laughs) and you get some cool things you get the podcast free and you get there's there's bonus content on there Uh, everybody gets it for free i just want to point that out uh, early and ad free oh, okay. is kind of what I meant. Yeah, sorry, I said free. We're not uh, going to start charging for this for this malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much we believe in ourselves. It's just malarkey. Show me the money. <laughs> Show me the malarkey. That was Joe Biden's original. <laughs> Show me the malarkey. You know, I, I I love the word malarkey. I use it quite a bit, and I feel like I can't use it anymore because of Joe Biden. <laughs> Oh, God. He did say no malarkey. You know, the Democrats ruined so much. Mainly just the word malarkey. If you use the word malarkey, that would be sedition. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, there's this content on Patreon.com slash rewatchability that you can only get there. So go there. Find out. Take a a look around. Take a gander at our malarkey. Get the VIP experience, baby. (laughs) Rob's giving you the hard sell. But you could you could just go there on your free time. So now let's get into this movie, 1996. Jerry Maguire, Cameron Crowe. It sounds like I'm just listing off men's names. Uh, Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger. It was a pretty big movie. Won a lot of awards. 
And it was my pick this week because I really like rom-coms, like a lot, too much. So, Is this uh, a comedy? I think that they thought they were making a comedy. I was yeah, I was uh, watching it with my wife, and she's like, "Tom Cruise doesn't do a lot of comedy." And I was like, "This is this is a comedy." <laughs> we were forty five minutes into the movie. <laughs> it's kind of like a rom dramedy. Yeah, I mean, there's some comic. Parts, Wait, this is I would supposed say. to be a romance. <laughs> yeah, it's between love of a man and his football job. Yeah, it's also not a sports movie too. It it kind of it it falls between the cracks really of anything. every genre that it's trying to be. Well, it's also uh, you suggested it because you're like it's the 25th anniversary. I was like, oh great, is. and then I looked it up, and this movie came out in December. So you're getting a 10 month <laughs> jump on the yeah. 25th anniversary of this movie. <laughs> it's the same year, JM. The anniversary is year. Well, why don't yeah, we celebrate Halloween now as well? If this. <laughs> doesn't matter what day it is in the year. While sure. we're celebrating a year of Jerry you. Maguire. <laughs> our, year. our year of Jerry Maguire. That's perfect. That's perfect. The, I would love to. The only thing worse than 2020 and all of the horrors that it bring is, is dedicating this entire year to Jerry Maguire. <laughs> um, well, Jay, I'm going to start with you. When did you first see this movie? I saw it in the theater like a chump. I, <laughs> oh wow! You're bringing out the hate early on. Well, I did not like this movie when it came out. It was yeah. in the years when I think I was starting to get into movies, and I would go see every movie nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Mm. And so this year, that was like Shine. There was a uh, there was a lot. This movie, English Patient. Yeah, I the think? English Patient won. Yeah. I know Secrets and Lies was nominated. Fargo was nominated. Yeah. Oh yeah. This was the only studio movie nominated, apparently, from like a major studio. Right. But the others were all like weird offshoots of, you know, studios. And they're like, it's independent. And no, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. I remember like Billy Crystal (laughs) made jokes about independent movies. I don't remember. Uh, It was probably in song form. Uh, Anyway, I I saw this movie in the theater and this was one of the movies that, uh, you know, there were some others, but like this was one of them that I remember like going to see. And you know, having that when you're a kid and you are, you know, first getting into movies, like one of the first uh things you're exposed to is is like the Oscars and and you know, that that sort of segment of critical acclaim. And at a certain point, like when you're younger, uh, at least for me, like I thought that that meant that a movie was, you know, respected and 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 and, oh, sweet and good in some way. <laughs> And uh, this was one of those uh, early examples of a movie that that chipped away at that uh, <laughs> that uh, assumption I had because I did not like this movie. I remember my friend I saw it with fucking hated it, like was like angry afterwards. And we were wow. like, we were like what twelve. Uh, thirteen. <laughs> he was so angry. You were barely older than that Jonathan Lipnicki yeah. fella. But I remember I was like, "Why?" Because I didn't like it. But I was like, "Why did you hate it so much?" And he was like, "And I think this criticism still holds true." He said, "It was the story of an asshole who, by the end of the movie, became slightly less of an asshole." <laughs> I was like, yeah, "I like that at thirteen. That was like your go-to. That's how like, Cameron Crowe pitched it." Yeah, <laughs> but that was all I could think of watching it this time. I was like, "Yeah, he." 
was not wrong. So yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of this movie. I was baffled by its uh, inclusion amongst like, I remember like that, that was a huge thing for me was I loved Fargo when it came out. That was my favorite yeah. movie that year Amazing by far. Movie. And like, yeah, I remember like even just the fact that this movie was nominated with Fargo, like kind of made me question <laughs> the entire like cinematic ecosystem at the time. Yeah. It should have just been Fargo nominated that year and the rest of the movie is just like, right? no. Like five Fargos. <laughs> five Fargos. Uh, what about you, Rob? I think that I half saw this. I mean, there wasn't much to attract me to this movie. We've done a lot of Tom Cruise movies recently and talked a lot about him like on the Roseanne episode. Oh, yeah. So I don't need to say that, you know, I don't love Tom Cruise. He's always been like, you know, a little bit off putting. And I also I don't love sports. You know, I'm not an athletic person. I've never really gotten involved in the whole culture. You know, I guess I collected hockey and baseball cards when I was younger, but that was sort of it. And so this movie wasn't really interesting to me whatsoever. And then later, a few years after, you know, I did sort of there was a period of time where I really thought Cameron Crowe might be a good director because I I really loved Almost Famous. And for the, for me, that was like a movie that seemed to tell like a personal story and connected it to bigger sort of things that I was interested in. And I, I started looking at the rest of the Cameron Crowe movies and seeing like, what else has this guy done? But I never revisited Jerry Maguire. I, it was just... I don't know. There's there's too much about it, you know. It's a huge movie. Everybody knows the quotes. It won it won a whole bunch of Oscars, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. It it just didn't seem like something that I wanted to watch. But at the same time, I wanted to rewatch it this time because I wanted to give it, you know, a good chance and I thought, yeah, maybe maybe there is something to it. It didn't really seem like my sort of thing. As to whether it is, uh, we'll get to that. What about you, Blaine? I know I know that this was your choice, and I know that you love rom-coms, but is this like a special movie for you? No, although I did I did see it the year it came out. And, and how many times? <laughs> I lived in the movie theater. I watched it religiously. No, I, I saw it the, the year it came out. Yeah, I think I was kind of at that age where we were going to the movies and just seeing anything we could each weekend. So I think I saw it in theaters because I remember knowing about it going into the Oscars. And that year's Oscars was, I remember, not the Oscars themselves, but just like the feeling around it. I watched with my mom and I was still pretty young. Like you said, Jay, I'm like 12 or 13. And I just remember like staying up late because the Oscars always went to like 3 a.m. on a school night and just like drinking pop until late with my mom it was just like a good memory of of that and and seeing people so excited to win awards it was the first oscars that i can remember watching mom Um, look everyone's happy (laughs) yeah yeah and cuba Gooden jr just like over the moon oh well yeah he's pretty his he's pretty infectious with his uh man yeah it's i mean it's not like i love you like jupiter infectious like <laughs> like um wait what's that oh uh, what's that guy's name the the director of uh, life is life is beautiful is that what he said yeah he was like <laughs> he just like stood on chairs and was like i love you like jupiter he was like all over the place but yeah he was pretty Roberto, it was it was Roberto pretty uh, infectious roberta benini so that's kind of what i remember most of jerry Maguire was the oscars surrounding it but I do remember the lines. I remember, you know, 
that last scene with him and Renee Zellweger in the divorced woman's group living room and all that stuff. Like I, I, I remember that stuff pretty vividly from seeing it. So I wanted to watch it again because it was one that I hadn't watched a lot of since I was a kid, but I always had fond memories of. Much like you guys, so, right? <laughs> so where does this sort of fit in the rom-com pantheon for you? Uh, like what movies is it next to in the rom-coms? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I know that you're a connoisseur of romantic comedies. Like, I don't know if like I'm a connoisseur. Is like a sleepless in just, Seattle? Or is love, this like a how to lose a guy in that. 10 days? I just saw that. <laughs> <laughs> so in between those... No, I think it's I think it's a bit more than a rom com because it's a little bit of a brom com too. You know Wait, what? Um, what are the what are the sounds like you're making? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit Brom. of a bromance for bromide. Yeah, for yes, the, the harmless chemical that will kill you if you. If you eat. You're, I think you're right. It is more than a rom-com. I mean, it's sort of about his story sort of first, and then the romantic element is sort of like... Well, I think that... Side because element. he's yeah, and I, a self-obsessed, you know, narcissistic jackhole. That's why it's... <laughs> he, yeah. couldn't, he couldn't even <laughs> let the movie be called something else. It is a really unoriginal name for the movie that... Cameron Crowe spent years and years and years writing. With, well, what would you call with, like, it? James, like... Under James L. Brooks's tutelage, you know? Like, there, there should be some other name for this, like... Sometimes the name is just the thing, like... Yeah, it's true. I think it's actually a good name. Like, Jerry Maguire, that sort of tells you everything you need to know about this douchebag. <laughs> it's like John Wick, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. John Wick tells you everything you need to know about that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe not everything, but enough. I mean, yeah, naming a movie after... <laughs> Dead Dog Wick. It's crazy. <laughs> that The title just gives it away. Sometimes it works. Like Michael Clayton. You're like, I don't know. That makes sense. But like, <laughs> like uh, when they changed it from John Carter of Mars to just John Carter, it's like, oh, what is work. this? Is this like a legal thriller? Yeah. And, oh, it's on Mars. Okay. <laughs> yeah that was weird yeah. um but jerry jerry mcguire and it's also like the poster has it in that like kind of like handwritten font sort of thing like i don't know yeah, and it's just it's, it's pretty soft just tom cruise's like silhouette like as he's laughing in some kind of maniacal, maniacal state yeah <laughs> it's yeah. it's weird i don't know well let's let's talk yeah. about the movie let's get into it all right okay. rob you want to run down the, the plot yeah well so jerry mcguire is a sports agent. He represents all these different athletes, and he tries to get them endorsements for various products. He's he's basically yeah he, he just basically like sells them to to companies and all of his athletes. They just want to get like endorsements from Reebok and Doritos and all of that stuff. And he's starting to think that like, hey, maybe there's something more to life than that. You know, I mean, he starts to think that, you know, there's there's downsides to his job. Like he gets a little bit tired of defending people who have sex with underage women. And uh, he also I mean, at one point he has to go visit a hockey player in the hospital because he's been concussed for like the sixth time. And it's uh, Toby Huss, that uh, great character actor. And. This, this kid, the guy's kid, comes out and is like, hey, what you going to do about my dad getting concussed all the time? Maybe, like, do something? And he just sort of deflects it with, like, some sports baloney. And then the kid calls him an asshole. And so he's like, oh, man, 
Am I an asshole? <laughs> okay, and just Am I the bad guy? I don't want to yeah. like spoil the end of the movie, but this is like a pivotal moment. Like this is almost the thing, you know, this is the thing that inspires Tom Cruise to, like do the thing he's about to mm-hmm. do that, you know, reshapes his entire life. But that thing is like, yeah, this guy being concussed and and his kid being mad at him. And like, you know, flash forward to the ending, the movie's about Tom Cruise's lone client getting concussed and him signing him up for years more of that. So like he didn't learn a lesson at all. Oh, it's okay because he gets the attention that he oh, okay. wants. That's what it's all about. Well, I think it's also I mean to defend this movie, which I think is is my role in this entire podcast, but I think it's also that he starts caring about this man where he didn't mm. care about the other man and I think he was asking himself why when this kid is like right. fuck you you're killing my dad and he's like yeah why don't I care about that so I don't know just to defend it there okay okay well so his solution to this is that he is going to write a mission statement and so he stays up all night and he writes his big old mission statement and then he goes down to the Kinkos and gets the guitarist from Alice in Chains to <laughs> copy it a whole bunch of times <laughs> Like, man, it was really tough for the grunge guys for Wait, a while there. Is that really who it was? Yeah, it yeah, was. It's yeah, it's Jerry Cantrell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's, he's also very, like, you know, optimistic, which is something that you wouldn't get from most of the Alice in Chains songs. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, this is how you do good things, by having balls. It's like, hey, you're the man in the box living in your shit. <laughs> <laughs> so he... He sends this out to all the people at his big firm, and then he realizes that that was a dumb thing to do, and he's freaking out, but it's too late. Everybody has read this thing, his manifesto. It's called The Things That We Think But We Don't Say, and he goes into work, and oh boy, he gets a slow clap, and it seems like everything's going to be okay. Yeah, I kind of— Or is it? I, I like that because everyone's like smiling and nodding like the sharks they are and being like and, and taking bets on when he's going to get canned. Finally, somebody said it. I was 35. I started my life. How long did you give him? About a week. I also like how writing is portrayed in movies. Like, it's this really exciting act that you do all night with, like, he had, like, an outline that he had written spread out on the floor and, like, all these balled-up sheets of paper, and he was writing on his computer. Like, I was just like, what do you – why do you need the balled-up sheets of paper? And he's, like, in his underwear doing headstands, just showing off that he's Tom Cruise. And That's um, how I write. Maybe that's, that's why I don't get anything and done. also, you know, there's a – I don't <laughs> it's know. like, it's not sexy. You're just sitting there being, like, staring out a window. I don't Did you guys read the uh, mission statement? Like in the movie, there's a mission statement. Yeah, he 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 wrote the full, the 25 page mission. Yeah, statement. Cameron Crowe actually wrote it. This fucking guy. And then he, yeah. he released it for like the DVD. I read it the beginning of it, and the beginning of it alludes to something he mentions in the movie too. Is that he like, he said like I'm thinking about all these things. Like I had two slices of bad pizza. Maybe that that's 
why or something it's like is that a thing like if you have like <laughs> bad pizza doesn't make you write like a crazy manifesto it makes it gives you diarrhea like <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> like still pretty good amplify and like your senses and take you to this like far out state where you over where you completely rethink your career it's just like it gives you gas or like diarrhea or what, like what yeah. kind of mushrooms are on this pizza man yeah. i'm rethinking everything <laughs> the kinko's guy recommended a place yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly uh, yeah man. well but so yeah everything initially is okay but then he goes out for lunch with jay moore and you know nothing good happens when you go out for lunch with jay moore Mostly just because you have to hang out with Jay Moore. I don't know why I assume he's a douchebag, but uh, it's because of this movie. He, yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess it's probably so. But he fires Tom Cruise, even though he's not his boss. But I guess he gets to do that anyway. So Tom Cruise is sort of out of a job. But they have this big race to get all of his clients because you know that's the sort of name of the game. And so he's like calling them all and like trying to get them to stay with them, but. None of them are going to stay with Jerry Maguire. They're all going to go with Bob Sugar because he's so sweet. And <laughs> and Sugar. it seems like he's going to lose all of his clients except for one, Cuba Gooding Jr. And Cuba Gooding Jr. is a football player. I think his name is Tidwell or something like that. Rod Tidwell. Rod Tidwell. And, Rod Tidwell. Yeah, and, you know, he's not a... He's not a superstar player. He is not at the caliber that some of Jerry's other clients were at. Like when he tells us about all the great clients he has, it's like, oh, yeah, Jerry O'Connell, he's great at football. But he doesn't really say that about Rod Tidwell. He's just, you know, but he's a guy, you know, he's there. And he's willing to stay with him, you know, after making Tom Cruise scream, show me the money at the top of his lungs. To his entire office, which is fine because he's not working there anyway, right? So, yeah, well, it's know. also it's it's a weird scene because Tom Cruise's whole like mission statement manifesto was all about like it was basically just describing like a smaller business. <laughs> it yeah. didn't seem that groundbreaking. He was like, "Hey, we should focus on less clients and just like give them more attention." His whole like cr- his whole like out there crazy thing he comes up with is like, "Hey, we should do a better job at our job." <laughs> It's what it seemed like to me. And then, yeah. but then it's kind of put to the test because he gets fired by Jay Moore. And then he immediately rejects the mission statement that he wrote. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I yeah. don't care about it. I want as many clients as I can. So he's scrambling Definitely. to get all these clients. And then he ends up being forced to just have Cuba Gooding Jr. because he's talking to him on the phone and giving him all this attention. Well, and, and that's what I love about this movie is that the catalyst is this kind of like one act that he did setting up this thing that he totally regrets in the sober light of day and then has to and then is forced the entire rest of the movie to live up to this kind of one slip of uh of of empathy that he had and um i i don't know i really like that i really like that as a journey for a character i I, I really hope i I never have empathy It just seemed like I know, a, really uh, a I don't know, like I would have felt it. I would have liked something more radical or something like the, him just being like, "Oh, we should do, we should pay more attention to like the clients and like do better jobs." You think like it's supposed to be like, "Oh, great, we'll call it like uh, the platinum level and we'll charge more for it," and that that's fine. <laughs> like it, I, I don't know, it's just like I mean, it was based on like from what I've read, it was based on like a real thing that happened at Disney. Did mm-hmm. you guys read that? Yeah, no. yeah, but. And it was Jeffrey Katzenberg, 
Mm-hmm. And he, but wow. he didn't get fired. And his whole thing was about like making smaller productions and stuff and, and making more money that way. And it was not, yeah, it was not controversial. But then he did start making smaller productions and it was called Quibi and it failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> of course, those were physically yeah. smaller, but you know, yeah. <laughs> on the phone. Sorry, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like I, I just wanted it to be like crazier. It just seemed weird to me that it was such a controversial thing am i missing something i mean Mm. i think it was it was about like it was about rejecting like the the kind of like treating players like they're playing cards even though they are playing cards and they have them but it was it was about getting back to the the soul of the sports and same with katzenberger's manifesto which i read in preparation for this uh yeah, katzenberg sorry should have read his name (laughs) yeah he didn't put it on so i didn't you know so it used to be uh, Katzenberger. He shortened it to fit on a phone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, his whole thing was that Dick Tracy came out, and because it only made its money back, everyone considered it a financial flop. When it wasn't a financial flop at all, but it was definitely a ratings flop. Like everyone laughed at it. So he was like, "Let's make good movies, and that'll make us the money." But we should we should look at story. We should look to to how we did things in the hmm. past in our roots which is much like this manifesto which is like let's not concentrate on like these big tentpole players let's treat everyone like they're human and and not like you know we're we're trading up each guy we treat them all equally to to try to get them as much money as possible so there is still money involved like Katzenberg his whole thing was this is how we make more money that's the whole manifesto uh, from Disney too, he just thought of doing it another way, which he did with DreamWorks um, yeah. instead of Quibi. I, yeah, Quibi think was it, a big like, I, I don't know. On like Tom Cruise's like second day of being fired, just like leak the story to the press, be like, "Hey, I told these guys to treat the players like human beings, and they fired me." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, well, and that's kind of what Katzenberg did with Eisner when the whole thing with uh, Disney went down when Wells was was killed in that helicopter accident. That apparently Clint Eastwood was supposed to be in. It's a crazy story. Wait, what? But like what? Orson Welles yeah, so... was killed in a helicopter accident. <laughs> no, no. Like Frank Welles was died. like Frank Welles was like the number two guy at Disney. So he oversaw Eisner and oh. and, and Katzenberg at the time. And he kind of like not oversaw them, but like he kind of played ball with both of them and made them both work together. But when he died in the helicopter accident, like the next day, Katzenberg was like, "Oh, will I be?" put up to the to the spot like you promised eisner and eisner was like no i don't want to talk about it you mean well, i sabotaged the helicopter for nothing <laughs> yeah exactly. that was a joke that was expensive i'm i'm sure jeffrey katzenberg did not murder anyone no but jeffrey katzenberger did yes uh, i just want to yeah and so still that's... at large <laughs> <laughs> we don't know where he is. So yeah, so then Kassenberg was like, why didn't you put me up? Eisner was like, well, I don't want you around if you're just going to go for this job and not like like before the man's in the ground. So then he fired Kassenberg and Kassenberg went to the press and was like, I was promised the job and he didn't give me the job. Instead, <laughs> he fired me. And so then Eisner was like, I never promised him the job. It, we were just talking over drinks. And I said, if anything happened to Wells, like he left, then we'd consider you for the... Anyway, it was this whole okay, big this thing. Is sounding suspicious. <laughs> yeah, none of these people are in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all what this movie was based on. Is what, 
So right, right. But I mean, I think the thing that Jam was perhaps saying before was that like it's not like his his mission statement has anything about exploiting the players' bodies until they die or anything like that. It's not like a greater yeah. good sort of thing. It's just like maybe yeah, you know, it's, it's a little bit disappointing that his mission statement is just like maybe there's a different way that we can make money. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Let's be nicer but and so, get more Doritos deals. But like the the fact that like just saying let's be a little bit nicer got him fired is kind of like i don't know that's a point in the movie too that's like i think a point of the movie well i think it's part of like the culture of those workplaces at that time like it was definitely like a show any weakness and you will be sort of picked off and yeah i think it's also the culture of competitive environment of agents you know of, of of middle people um, well, I mean, people who are basically only focused about money don't. Why would why would they have any morals around like you know the people that they work with? You know, yeah, it's just been my experience with agents. I would screw you guys best. out if there was any money in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Okay, but so he does this big thing where he wants everyone to sort of – he tries to get people to come and join him in his new sort of thing. This is like the Michael Scott paper company arc of The Office. I was thinking (laughs) that. I was thinking – and also like how much better that scene is because it's kind of supposed to be sad. I don't know. It's just – it's less silly than – somehow the the sitcom version of this was less silly than the movie version. Yeah, but only only Pam goes with I mean, sorry, only Renee Zellweger goes <laughs> with him. And he also takes the fish. So that's that's who they've got in their office. And it, I mean, it's not looking great. I I should say that Renee Zellweger also went with him because she sort of like creepily eavesdropped on a conversation that he was having on the plane where she was like sort of hanging off every word that he said when he was telling this other woman about him getting engaged she she's already like has some sort of like crush or something i mean she says she's inspired by his mission statement but uh there's a lot going on there there's a lot going on there but also she has a little boy who is the jonathan lipnicki character that's his name right yeah, yeah. yeah. with the spiky hair and the glasses and oh he's just a the little cuteness. ragamuffin yeah but he basically, I mean, he basically like falls in love with this kid. He's like, you know, they have like this moment at the airport where I guess their meet cute is that she can't find the boy, and then uh, he sort of conveniently comes along on the um, baggage motivator or whatever it's called, and <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> Come on, baggage. <laughs> but then, and he sort of like, you know, he has like an instant sort of bond with with this child, and he's like, ah, oh, they sort of like each other, and uh, he. The kid tells him facts about things like the human average human head weighs eight pounds, and Tom Cruise just tells him baloney about sports shit that nobody cares about. So it's a good relationship. <laughs> Not a sports fan, eh, Rob? All right. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but it seems like things are going to go okay for him at first because he goes down to get his star sort of player – Jerry O'Connell back into his agency, and he talks to his dad, Bo Bridges. Do you think Bo Bridges, and I love Bo Bridges, but do you think maybe he's Jeff Bridges' understudy? Like, do you think this was written for <laughs> Jeff and it just didn't come together? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I love, I love I mean, Bo. I, I really do. He's great. He is great. And I also think he's sort of perfect for this part. This is not a Jeff Bridges part. Sure. Jeff Bridges' parts yeah, are more young. idiosyncratic. He's yeah. got to be wearing that T-shirt that he wears in every movie. <laughs> 
I wouldn't fit in this. <laughs> this, he's like, he's a football dad. And yeah. Bo plays a good football dad. He's got his hair combed back. It's good. And he, he also, says that— Also, you, you trust Bo Bridges. You really you trust this guy. His word is like oak, <laughs> which is a very strong wood. I am told. carve it. Make furniture out of his word. <laughs> hey, Jerry, how's it going? Hey, Kush. How are you, Kush? How are you? Remember Keith? Yeah, Keith. How you doing? I want him to go number one in the draft. And I want him to play. It'll either be Denver or San Diego trading up to take him. He'll go number one. Hell, I'll either surf or ski. I don't care. <laughs> but Denver's where he should be. I'll give it everything. You know I don't do contracts. But what you do have is my word. It's stronger than oak. But yeah, so he he's they're gonna go with him. It seems like everything's gonna be okay. Except then they go down on draft day, and Bo Bridge's word, it is not as strong as oak. It is as strong as some wood that is not very strong. Balsa. <laughs> Balsa wood. <laughs> or some of that particle board from IKEA. That's yeah, what his oh, word because is. Yeah. He's he's gone inside with Bob Sugar. Mm. Jerry Maguire's nemesis. So, uh, once again, he's back in this precarious position. And, you know, at the same time, he's not really showing the love to Cuba Gooding Jr. that Cuba Gooding Jr. wants to see, you know? Because he brings him down there, and, he, yeah, he gives him the sort of walk around, but then he doesn't pay attention to him. You know, he knows that he's really focused on the star guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, Tidwell is sort of like the second fiddle. Mm-hmm. As soon as he has something good, better coming around. There's a bunch of other stuff in this movie, too. Like, Renee Zellweger has a sister, and there's always, like, an angry group of divorcees in her living room. And this was one of the parts where I was like, oh, Christ. It's like, does Cameron Crowe, like, seem to have, like, a really fucked up view of yes. women or something like that? Because <laughs> Definitely. He, he, like, he seems to both have this, like, respect and awe for single moms, right? Like, single moms are a trope in his work. I think he was raised by a single mom, assuming mm-hmm. that his life is just, like, almost famous. But at the same time, he has this absolute contempt for these divorced women who, you know, these witches who just <laughs> hang out and support each other like monsters. I don't know if they're supposed to be monsters, but they're definitely kind of a punchline and an inconvenience. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it just seems like whenever like one of the characters that is supposed to like speak for, you know, the author or for us says something, it's always like, you know, in a sort of derisive way uh towards them. Like even Renée Zellweger is like talking shit about them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Did you leave my son with the divorced women's yeah. group? Like, <laughs> they yeah. They seem perfectly like nice. <laughs> yeah. They brought like lemon treats. Come on. And they all look like they're part of some like girl rock band too, which is which is weird. And, violent and the other thing they use them for is not, <laughs> femmes, like not to skip too far ahead, but at the end, like Renee Zellweger joins the group, and you're like, oh no, she's now she's one of these <laughs> women. <And> maybe Tom <laughs> Cruise will come back and save her from this group of of I hope so. sad people, harpies, harpies. Yeah, so, and they shoot it I mean, all, like, the first time we see them, he shoots it all, like, handheld, like, oh, this is real. And then it pulls back. It's like, oh, they're just going to be kind of, like, set dressing to, <laughs> to make fun of. Yeah. Yeah. But she likes him. And he likes being liked. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, this is, this is the, what I think is one of the really unique things of this romance, of this movie, is that he falls... For her kid, 
first. Like he loves this kid. He uh, yeah, that seems you know, creepy wants... to me though. Like <laughs> no way. It's, 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 I mean, it's creepy because it's Tom Cruise. But like, I don't know. I like that a lot. I think that's really. Did you know the human head weighs eight? Have you had a free stress test? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he was in a relationship prior to that with uh, Kelly Preston, who is also a Scientologist. Yeah, well, who passed away sadly last year. Oh, did yeah. she? Oh, well, yeah, that's right. Know. I forgot. Yeah. And she's good here. She is good, but she's playing like a real hard ass. And also talking about like Cameron Crowe's issues with women, they're like they write her at first as like she's a strong female character. She's like a career woman, and she doesn't take shit from Tom Cruise. And her the the way they manifest her not taking shit from Tom Cruise is when she he breaks up with her, she attacks him like you know. <laughs> She punches yeah. him in the face many yeah. times, twice, <laughs> yeah. and then I thought it was him good. in the groin. I thought it was going to like yeah. cut back to like a record scratch moment, and it was like all in his head or something. But no, that actually no. happens in the movie. Yeah, yeah, and that's abuse, guys. Just you call he, call the police. Jerry Maguire should retain a lawyer because he has so many lawsuits to file. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get, her, get, get Tom Cruise's character from the firm. <laughs> yeah. Just Tom Cruise representing Tom Cruise, uh, Judge. <laughs> I will be playing the part of my own lawyer. And then um, the judge please. peels off his face and it's Ethan Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger, they end up going out on a date even though they work for each other. I mean, first wait, he yeah. comes over drunkenly and he... Oh, this uh, is pretty bad, yeah. They call it a Clarence Thomas moment. Well, he... He lunges at her and gropes her. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, you're my boss. And he's like, oh, shit, am I Clarence Thomas? And it's like, yeah. (laughs) But he, like, he basically assaults her. She makes a joke about it. Well, that's what he knows about relationships is being assaulted. So he passes it on. But then the scene entirely becomes about her making him feel better about the fact that he just groped her. And he's her yeah. boss. Like it's so weird. This yeah. movie. Yeah, no, that yeah. was pretty bad. That's a pretty bad point. Like I, I, this sure. is, you know, my biggest problem, especially with like calling this a romance, is like I never once felt like Renee Zellweger was a real person. Like she never reacted to things well, the way I would have expected a person to react. I think I, um, I don't know. It's hard. I, I, it is a, a product of its time for sure. I think that. That might have been a normal reaction for the time, but I yeah, mean, it's a normal it's, reaction because she doesn't want to lose her job. Yeah, yeah. the The other thing that I think the movie does pretty poorly is that she <laughs> is that she says on many occasions that she was taking advantage of him after his breakup, uh, which <laughs> isn't true in a boss. Uh, uh, an employee relationship right the employee can't really take advantage of the boss that much it's more the other way around that you have to look out for um so i think that was a little bit awkward um i think just our our society has progressed in a great direction uh from when this movie was filmed but it's not just that um, it's like he does like creepy shit and her role is just to like there's like the whole first half of the movie is him doing creepy shit or like worrying shit or like he's going to ruin our lives shit and her like giggling <laughs> about it. I mean, yeah, she definitely attached herself to a man that beyond. So let's, if we t- take the groping thing aside, um, 
like she's attached herself to a man who's at like rock bottom and is very caustic and could cost her her whole career and that's why she looks for another job you know like i don't think she's like the dumbest character or not reacting normally i think she does react normally for the circumstances like follow her heart to this guy that has his whole manifesto and then she sees that he's really fucking broken and is like well maybe i should probably um not be working for this guy and get a job in san francisco you know like i think there's there's some realistic reactions she has in this movie her but character also has. like i didn't even really understand like what her job was because she was the accountant at the uh agency and then she basically just she becomes like a personal yeah. assistant like she's doing like his accounting and she's like doing things like picking out his clothes and like putting out muffins for meetings like <laughs> well and that and that moment when it. when he hands her the muffins is that moment where she realizes like oh shit like this is what i've gotten myself into i'm now the owner of this man like i'm now like yeah we, that's like, terrible <laughs> that's exactly awful. yeah and i think that's why she goes for the other job i think that's purposely in the script i don't think it's like this thing that cameron crowe didn't mean to write i think it's in there personally but anyway, sorry. But like being though. an accountant, you like have to go to school for that and stuff. Like it just seems like to know weird math. to like abandon that to like be driving a guy to the airport. I don't know. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, and I don't think she was expecting to do that. I think she was expecting to be an accountant in his new firm. Then that's another but, uh, terrible thing he's done. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Because like even in the in the elevator, she's like, "Is there going to be medical?" And he's like, "I have no idea what." life will look like tomorrow so i can't promise you anything is kind of like the end result of that conversation i just Um, this movie like it sets up a lot of things like you're talking about but like things like you know patterns of bad behavior that this character has and i feel like everything that happens at the end of this movie just like reinforces those like legitimizes that yeah like i mean the whole thing we were talking about like where he goes to her house where he gropes her and stuff like, that's, like, the day he broke up with his fiance, and, like, there is this, you know, they had this bachelor party for him with Eric Stoltz, who's in this movie for four seconds for some reason. I know, mm. it's so weird. Uh, yeah, It seems like he should have had another scene yeah. somewhere, but maybe it's probably got cut or floor, replaced yeah. with Michael J. Fox, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but this whole thing, there's this whole, like, thing about, like, oh, he needs to be, like, liked, he can't be alone he can't be so alone. like as soon yeah. as like he breaks up with his fiance, he goes straight to like another woman but like that neediness is to me only like compounded by the end of the movie like he never does anything selfless like the the kind of climactic you know rom-com scene where he confesses his love is like the most like needy compulsive moment in my mind <laughs> like and, and yeah that's the, the most aggressive manifestation of that like that element of his per- personality I, I don't know like i i just feel like all all of these yeah. things that are bad that we're talking about in the first half of the movie we can be like yeah the script did that on purpose but i don't feel like they're resolved in a way that makes me like this guy by the end of it and i think you're supposed yeah. to like him yeah i think i mean tom hanks was the original uh, guy for the role. I don't even right? think he could pull that off. <laughs> I think he might have been able to, but yeah, it it yeah, it's not it's not great. I hear what you're saying, JM. I yeah. I do think that like 
the whole he can't be alone, that stuff was probably hit too hard in the script. Well, yeah, because they show him like an avant-garde like student film <laughs> that is actually yeah, writing know. where mm-hmm. people keep repeating that. really that. hits it home. They like burn his black you book. Can't he can't be, be alone. alone. <laughs> He's like, they're playing Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but like what i what i really like about the the structure of this movie is that like jerry Maguire has his heart in his job but not in his relationships and then rod tidwell has his heart in his relationships but not in his job and so like oh. their their friendship is is to like teach each other about the uh, and and at the end of the movie rod really commits and really has fun and enjoys and puts his heart into his Super Bowl victory dance. Not super, I, I don't know sports either, Rob. So okay, can, can we talk about Rod though for a minute? Because this is another thing that I don't agree with fundamentally, which is what okay. you're saying, where it's like he doesn't put his heart into it, and that's the whole thing Jerry's saying. It's like you got to put your heart into it, and they keep saying time after time that Rod is very good. He's a very good player. He is like putting up the numbers that he's expected to. But like what Jerry wants him to do is do things like dance after scoring a touchdown. And he's like, <laughs> I'm a good athlete. I'm good at my job. Like I'm not an entertainer. Like I'm not here to entertain yeah. you. I'm not going to dance. He yeah. literally said. And I yeah. fucking agree with him. Like, yeah. 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 Why should he, no, if he I, doesn't want to dance, don't make him dance. He's not a performing monkey like i find that ridiculous i find it like and the thing that he does that like kind of insulting it is insulting yeah. and the thing that yeah. they it, like it is, it is literally a job where you know people are putting their health on the line for your entertainment they don't have to do additional mm-hmm. entertainment if they don't want to like football players are like continuously like dealing with injuries like we see briefly at the end of the movie and like you know that that's enough in my mind and i'm not a football fan but the fact that like yeah that he would like have to like contrive this like performative aspect of his football <laughs> playing. I don't know. It's weird. Like on one hand, I like the fact that the movie is, you know, telling a sports story where the ending isn't just about like winning a big game or something we've seen a million times. It's about him like showing that heart. But even the heart the we see him, is love. the thing we see him do at the end is just celebrating the fact that he's not dead. <laughs> Which is just yeah. kind of sad. It's a big celebration. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I think I think this movie, <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe not, but I think the movie has its heart in its right place. But on like there are there are things that you have to deal with when you're talking. So like, I love the structure of them teaching each other. Like, put your heart in your relationship, put your heart in your job. But the way it's done, I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of history there too. Once you get into the racial aspects of it, it's like it's just it's just horrible. There's a lot of like knock on effects that I don't think Cameron Crowe had his head around when he made this movie at all well yeah there's one part like where yeah yeah there's some weird racial stuff in this movie too where like jay moore is like i'm mr black person or something it's like what why would anyone (laughs) no tom cruise says that or is it tom cruise okay yeah 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 it's weird and then yeah yeah. i definitely don't trust like cameron crowe writing any minorities at all especially after aloha you know (laughs) we should just be glad emma stone didn't play the Rod Tidwell part. <laughs> There's also God. like I think that like they make a crack at like his brother for being too radical because he's wearing like a I don't know he's wearing like a, a shirt. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, it's just like he, it's just like does, this like yeah. random like line, you know. Yeah, he throws it out in the interview at the end. Well, let's let's get to the end, Rob. Yeah, well, movie. so I mean, the big thing is that he and Renee Zellweger they keep going out a couple times, once or twice, and then they get married. 
And I mean, this is a crazy thing, especially for somebody like Tom Cruise. Cuba yeah, I know he didn't like audition of... her or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Cuba Gooding Jr. is like, hey, what's up with your marriage? Because uh, it doesn't seem to be like a real thing, you know? <laughs> Is it is she like some sort of like beard or you know Tom Cruise? I'm not. This is me out of character. I'm so you're talking to. So so this actually happened with QB Gooding Jr. He invited his dad to set to meet Tom Cruise and his dad. What's his dad? Apparently, name? who knows? We'll never find out. Uh, we can never extrapolate. <laughs> but uh, but uh, his dad. Came to set and the, and he shook Tom Cruise's hand. And apparently, the first thing out of his mouth was like, "Okay, level with me. You gay or not?" Wait, what? Really? <laughs> which, yeah. Which, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. said in the Grammy. Was that a show. come on? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows what the senior wants? But um, also, t- it, Tom Cruise is playing like every scene in this movie feels like Ben Stiller's impression of Tom Cruise from around that time. Oh like, man, it's such a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Like the glasses, the suits the tom cruise playing drunk oh, is not the way anyone should play no drunk. man no and like everything like he's constantly oh my god like that's even like their first date in the restaurant i just oh it made me uncomfortable it's not every day you say goodbye to a woman like that a song for the lovers no mm-hmm. no thank you oh no 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 we work together Oh, really, guys, this is like an office meeting, but thank you. Thank you. But I know what you mean. It wasn't like my marriage to Roger was any good even before. Before? Jerry. What? Let's not tell our sad stories. He doesn't act like a human being should. And maybe that's why, you know, it's tipped off that his marriage isn't real. Even Renee Zellweger, you know, eventually clues is like, wait a minute, I like you, but uh, I'm not feeling anything back. It's like a one-way mirror or something like that. And uh, he's like, ah, come on. And then they, like, break up for a while. Like, she's mm-hmm. going to, you know, is that where she's that going job. to move? Yeah. No, no, that's before. Then they get married, so she doesn't take the I, job. Right, right. I found the yeah. whole, like... Dynamic with her kid, just weird. I'm. I don't know. I like the kid. I like like their scenes together. I think. I think the kid's good and and charming. But like this idea that like he likes the kid more than her, and that's why they got married. And like they're like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's weird. Creepy. That's definitely not the basis for a relationship. I mean, obviously not. But I don't think it's like it's. I just. Yeah. I don't. Think I, I don't think it's like actually like have a, a mentor. It's not. It doesn't go yeah. to a creepy place. I'm not even like thinking it's going to a creepy place. But I was just like uh, immediately kind of weirded out by like the fact that like that he's just like has a relationship with her kid and not her in a way, or that she just like a mother being uncomfortable with like her partners like being closer to her kid i don't know it just it just felt weird uh, i think i think yeah i think it was about it was mainly about him not loving her and and not really loving her not truly loving her you know but even like the um, suggestions just that like he you know he married her so he could like still have a relationship with the kid because that's even what he says when they like and again i'm not yeah. suggesting anything like abusive is happening i'm just saying it's such a weird dynamic to me i i don't know I mean, I sort of see it because I sort of think, like, 
the trajectory that he was on did probably didn't include a family like with you know hard ass Kelly Preston. I mean, the way that she's portrayed in this movie, it doesn't seem like you know she's going to be like a maternal. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I, mean, I totally understand it for the character. I think my problem is more like by the end of the movie, I don't feel like that problem is solved. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, he should have taken them to the zoo once and then like you know probably done other things with his weekends. I don't know. So, like okay, to me, like we're at the end of the movie, like you know. Let's get into what happens yeah. in the end of the movie. The, the big thing is that Cuba Gooding Jr., he's playing his big game. He's doing pretty well. He's going to take his team to, like, the next level or whatever. And he's going to do the big thing, and he gets the point almost. But then he gets a mean hit, and <laughs> down, it yeah. seems like it seems like he's fucking going to die. And his whole family's watching on TV. Regina King plays his wife. And it's it's horrifying because well, his whole family's just watching. Yeah, he's and, a free agent, so if he gets injured, then no one would pick him up the next the next. Oh, season. I guess that too. But it just seems like he's gonna die. You know, like <laughs> I know. I, like, I all, it's more it seems his... like his career's fucking over, man. Like, there's no coming back from a hit like that. Well, it's, it's also guess. weird because, like, <laughs> yeah, like I was kind of saying earlier, like brain trauma and brain injuries are, are such a huge problem for professional football players. Yeah. Like, it's weird to me that the end of this movie is him almost dying from, like, a potential brain injury. And, the you know, the climax is him as them being like, hey, you're signed up for four more years of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, not another team movie. It's like, oh, you only got two concussions left. <laughs> Yeah, 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 like there's an early well, like I he's getting cat scans earlier in this movie, and they, Tom Cruise keeps saying like, "Well, let's just hope you don't get injured." Why would you even say that? <laughs> Why does he say that to him before he goes onto the field every day? Yeah. <laughs> Why does he do that to him? Oh, remember, uh, don't get injured. I, uh, uh, it would be a shame if you got injured. Yeah. Don't have an aneurysm uh, in your sleep. Just good night. <laughs> Hopefully, you don't slip on the way to the bathroom, and your whole career is over. He probably has his eye on set on Regina King because he just can't be alone. <laughs> what what this movie did, you know, watching it this time as an adult and what I understood of, of football players' careers is, is, you know, you do have to make your money really early because you're out very early as well. Like you retire by 30 if you make it that far. And so it's like ballerina. It's like anyone who like really puts their bodies through the, their bodies through the paces. And um, podcasters. Oh yeah, I mean my back slightly hurts. So I just I think I think it's kind of I don't know. I do think it's kind of cool. I mean not cool. I think it's commendable that these men found a way to make enough money for them and their family and they're they're almost putting their lives in line. I wish they didn't have to do that. I don't think I I mean I don't watch football. I don't agree with it. But like I don't know. I kind of I kind of respect it. A little bit. It just seems like the natural conclusion of this movie should be like, oh, maybe your life is worth more than the sport. Like, maybe yeah. get out now. Like, maybe, like, it seems like Tom Cruise should put his arm around Cuba Gooding Jr. and be like, buddy, it's time now. You've had a good run. Let's go out now. You yeah. Know, and that, before he dies. That would almost be like the ultimate. That would like wrap up the thing yeah. we learned about that the beginning. Would be the show like, me the money. yeah, like I'm gonna. And treat then he's like, I well. don't have a job. Let's move to San Francisco. Yeah, let's go. Like his whole thing was like, <laughs> yeah. let's treat, let's care more about the athletes as people than about like the money they bring in. And like, yeah, the ending yeah. should have been like him convincing him to just retire and be with his family or do something yeah, else. Yeah, getting or... him into like coaching school or something. It's like, yeah, you can, you know, be one of those guys who now you're the yeah. coach. Or he's like, like hey. a commentator because he's so 
quick uh, with words. He would words be a great commentator. Would be great. Like you got to think about your post game career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a much better ending. Yeah, for sure. Because then Jerry's actually like a whole person where he like saved a person's life, and he's like, "Wow, I've been an asshole for so long, and I." finally know that i'm in love with this person and and so he feels like a little change that can go back but this yeah you're right (laughs) get more concussions and in terms of like the relationship stuff because here we're building up to like the big you know the famous moment from the movie where but rose bud no that's not the line (laughs) but he goes back to renee zellweger's house or her sister bonnie hunt's house and has the whole like uh you complete me speech Mm-hmm. But even that you had me at hey. <laughs> but even that well, okay. First of all, he barges in one. and is very aggressive. <laughs> get out of here, women! Uh, <laughs> but he go find men. Get on your brooms and fly away. <laughs> <laughs> the patriarchy no, but, has arrived. But he, yeah, he's just just like I'm looking for my wife. Like he, <laughs> like I would be <laughs> you bitter old crones. <laughs> I still own her. Yeah. And then he gives this whole speech. But even that was like not inspired by like anything meaningful in their relationship. It was him seeing Cuba Gooding Jr. talking about his wife after his like near death experience. So again, it seemed less like he actually has uh, chemistry with this woman or like is in love with this woman who doesn't think he loves her. And more like it's a pretty he, hard come to Jesus moment for yeah, sure. It, like he, it's like we don't see him change in any outward way. It's it's just like for me, it's just like a repetition of that same pattern as him being like, "Oh fuck, I don't want to yeah. be alone either. <laughs> I, I'm going <laughs> to yeah, love yeah. that woman the same way he loves his woman." Yeah, it just seems like so uh, dumb. It's, it's almost it's almost as like the end of this movie should have been like, "You complete me." But I really need to figure myself out for a couple of years. So yeah, you go to healthy. San Francisco. Yeah. Let's keep on talking. But I gotta do me for a little bit. Um, I gotta find. I'm gonna go to a monastery therapy and- again. Again, <laughs> like it, it seems yeah. like the logical extension of what was established earlier for this character. You can't be alone. You keep jumping into relationships when it's not a good idea. Like, yeah, the ending of this movie should have been like, yeah, like. Hey, I really do love you, but I need yeah, I need some time. I need some time to figure out who Jerry Maguire is. Yeah. Be a big <laughs> brother. You don't have to marry somebody to hang out with a kid every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way to get into Legoland. Okay. I need it. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I needed to get married. Uh, he says you um, complete me because that's what like they saw like someone signing that when they first yeah, well, it's yeah. actually not in ASL. It, it, it they were signing "You Make Me Whole," which I guess is "You Complete Me," but <laughs> you make me whole. And then one of the div- divorcees, <laughs> I want to fuck your whole. <laughs> oh, Jesus well, Rob made Christ. a grosser joke. I'm sorry, <laughs> I was gonna make <laughs> the <laughs> end of this movie. Read sign language. <laughs> Shit, that was that was a lie. It's just the dirtiest talk in the elevator. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> you wouldn't yeah. know. Most people don't speak that language. Okay, so that's Jerry Maguire. They get together. Wait, you didn't they... say you had me at hello. She says you had me at hello. And I don't think he said hello. Did he say hello? Yeah, no. fuck this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe he does. Maybe he's like, I'm looking for my wife. And then he takes a breather and goes, hello. He probably said it sarcastically, like, hello. 
<laughs> I'm here. I'm the man in the room. Okay, okay, we get it, Tom Cruise. Can I have some snacks, please? Come on. How about a sandwich? <laughs> I just watched a football I'm game. I'm Jerry um, Maguire. <laughs> it says so in the title. There's no question mark after it. So that's that's the movie. They walk by the, the baseball diamond that was in Hook, and they end the movie. And, oh, that would be great if they seamlessly blended, like just as Jerry Maguire walked away, like Robin Williams walks in and Hook begins. They're like, oh, I guess I'm watching. Well, it. Robin Williams figures into this movie oh. uh, in the behind the scenes. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we're going to be right back with some trivia questions and, and such. So keep the earbuds in your ears, buds. <laughs> God damn, I hate myself. Help me help you. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Okay, welcome back to Rewatchability. We're talking about Jerry Maguire, talking about Tom Cruise, which we've been doing a lot of lately. Yeah, um, we have to have a moratorium of Tom Cruise for the next little while. I don't think least I can until deal with any more. The new Mission Impossible comes out. Or, oh, yeah. The new Top Gun comes out. Too. He has so many movies. All right, so you've already answered many of my questions already, but uh, let's, see. Let's, let's see if I can't come up with some on the fly. So which Amy Mann song was in this movie when it came out in theaters. Which Amy Mann song? Yeah. And it's not on the movie anymore? Yeah, I mean, that's a good follow-up question that really <laughs> throws a wrench into the trick question I had. So Amy Mann wrote Wise Up for this movie oh. uh, that was later used in Magnolia, which is another Tom Cruise movie. Whoa. And and with a, with and Cameron Crowe. A much more likable character. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> arguably the same. Maybe he changed his name in the intervening years. Yeah, I would buy. He just that. grew up. He left, and she wrote the song. Cameron Crowe loved the demo, hated the finished version, refused to put it in the movie, and then a year later, the movie came out in theaters, and then he listened to the song again, fell in love with the song again, and then put it back into the movie for DVD release. It's a, it's a weird, it's Wait, a weird what? thing he did to Amy Mann there. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't want it in the movie, and then he listened to it a year later and was like, I was wrong. Amy Mann, can we put your song back in the movie for DVD? She was like, like, you had me at hello. I'm going to pay you. This is why people like, this is Mandela effect shit. Like, now everyone's going to be like, I didn't think Amy Mann was in the movie, but now, you know, it's confusing. And, you know, talking about the music. I didn't know that Nelson Mandela was in this movie. Talking about the music, Mm. I I didn't mention this, but another weird thing that stuck out to me was, because he's always got great, you know, songs in his movies. Yeah. This one's got Tom mm-hmm. Cruise belting out Tom Petty in the car for some reason. Oh my God, just what we needed. Yeah. They really said, oh my God, Jerry O'Connell singing Something in the Way. Yeah. That should have been a <laughs> single. I know, so good. So what good. What a moving tribute to yeah. Kurt. They should, yeah, hopefully they'll do a, a, a 
Slider special where he is the lead singer of Nirvana. It's Nirvana World. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I was gonna say the end of this movie ends with uh, Bob Dylan with uh, Shelter from the Storm, right. a yeah. track from one of the you know it's like the happy ending where he's back with his wife, and then they play a track from one of the most famous breakup albums in rock history. I know. It was like such a sad ending to like this yeah. hopeful, like this what yeah. should be a hopeful like, ending. I give them it's a weird. year. You know, I found. I mean, obviously, Cameron Crowe is really great at licensing songs <laughs> for his movies. He knows lots of people in yeah. the music world who will give him free songs, I guess, or give him deals. But I found in this movie, like a lot of them, they didn't feel totally right for the scene. And there's like, yeah, like Shelter for the from the storm. I don't think that that needed to be there. And yeah. sometimes it really just seems like he is just like sucking the the meaning or like the 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 experience of the song and trying to inject whatever bland scene is oh. sort of happening. Uh, yeah, look, look no further than Elizabeth Town. He like oh he relies God. on the songs for the entire it should have just been a music video cuz there's no story worth watching there. Yeah. Oh, I thought you liked that okay. movie. Okay. I, I, no. oh, okay. I think it's a fascinating failure. I mean, that's the thing about yeah. Cameron Crowe. I do think he's, like, sort of an interesting artist. I mean, I like... He has a great arc, you know, that whole, like, writing for Rolling Stone when he was young and, you know, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And, like, I mean, he was a big director for a while there, but he's so bad sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it makes you wonder, like, is he just terrible and he managed to, like, somehow do something that seemed good or does he have like some good senses and he's just like sabotaging himself somehow with like you know oh what if i just put like some more bob dylan songs in this you know or what if i just put my favorite eagles track in that whatever or my favorite eagles in in the movie (laughs) i think i think he's a a good director he just is not good sometimes and i think that's allowable when you're practicing your art i don't know like i i Wait, yeah. what did he? What did I, he like, direct? The skid. I I don't actually. I'm not a this? big Cameron Crow fan. Uh, okay, apart from this, I know people like Almost Famous. <laughs> I don't care for it. Almost Famous. I I love Almost Famous. I I like Almost Famous. I mean, was Vanilla Sky good? I can't remember. What did we yeah, say? We watched it. I, like I can't remember. I remember thinking it was okay, yeah. but it was, you just copied it from a whole other movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, Fast okay. Times at Ridgemont High. He wrote yeah. that. Yeah, there you go. That's a pretty There's big something one. there. Okay, so if. <laughs> If you if you're hating on Cameron Crowe, this will make you hate him even more. Who? How many puppies? What actress Cameron was... Crowe <laughs> put in a pillowcase and thrown? In... No. So so this actress worked with Ben Stiller on his show. Uh, who was told to lose sixty pounds to get the role? Oh, I read this. She and did. Also, yeah, fuck Cameron Crowe. She did lose sixty pounds to get the role, and then he gave it to Renee Zellweger. Oh wait. The... So wait, what happened? Cameron Crowe told an actress to lose 60 pounds to be in Jerry Maguire? He's like, this is written for you, but you have to lose the weight in order to play the role. Oh, my God. And she did. And then he gave it to Renee Zellweger. Yeah, I know who it is. uh, Janine Garofalo. Janine Garofalo. How could you be mean to Janine? She's a treasure. It just makes you hate him so much. Just because it's Janine Garofalo, too. You oh, man. He shouldn't I, say that to anyone. She's great. I mean, Larry Sanders, so many great things. I, I don't even, it's hard to see her in this part. It would be so different because uh, Jeanine Garofalo just seems like she doesn't put up with shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't see her doing like the romantic baloney that Renee Zellweger does. 
Yeah. Like, wait, like, you want me to say you had me at hello? <laughs> no, no. How? You, maybe you had me at explain yourself and your bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also weird because he was like, Catherine Hepburn is the is the ideal for this role, but she's no longer alive. And I was like, well, the next person I think of after Catherine Hepburn is Janine Garofalo. <laughs> like, it's just like, what do you We should do that? some more Janine Garofalo movies, if you like rom-coms. We should. Truth About Cats and Dogs. Yeah, I never I seen that. I saw in the theater also. <laughs> <laughs> so what company struck a $1.5 million endorsement deal with TriStar Pictures, whom then turned around and threatened legal action because of this film? I, I do know this. I saw it. And they did take legal action. Yeah. They sued for $10 million. Yeah. Reebok. Yeah. Because fuck oh, I was going to let Rob guess, but... No, I oh, sure. I also read it. Uh, it's Reebok. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Glad I got some deep cuts on there. But that was... Yeah, that was an interesting thing because they... Reebok gave them $1.5 and they... As part of the deal, they filmed like a... like. What was going to play over the credits was Rod yeah. finally doing a Reebok commercial. Right. But uh, I... Then they took it out and just left in the fuck Reebok. Yeah, and just, so the only mention of Reebok was him going, like, I hate Reebok. So, like, <laughs> you know, I'm not a fan of Reebok. I'm, I'm, you know, they're probably a bad company and do shady things. But I kind of feel, you know, I side with Reebok on this one. I would be annoyed yeah. at that, too. I kind of like Any it. judge I would. Like... And also, like, <laughs> he probably cut it because he didn't want it to seem like too crass or something but it also like it underscores that this movie is all about like a guy getting a commercial deal like that's what we're we're rooting for one guy to get a percentage of the money that another guy would make selling shoes that's what we're rooting for well shoes is what we get into in elizabeth town so don't get oh my god yeah (laughs) what a disaster i I kind of want to watch it so cameron crow comes off this movie Really, really high because he's like, oh my god, it won Oscars. You know, I was the only director not nominated for best director out of the best picture nominees. And that's obviously a sign of respect, <laughs> but, but whatever, I'll, I'll take that hit. And he goes, "What made Jerry Maguire great? Probably the fact that he had a really specific job. So I'm going to do that in my next movie with a shoe designer. Is that what it is? Shoe designer, yeah, right? cobbler. It's, it's sort of interesting because <laughs> the Jerry Maguire and Elizabeth Town are sort of like." Two different but similar movies. Like in Jerry Maguire, he makes a very bold statement, and it seems like it's a good thing, and everybody loves him, but he loses his job. But in Elizabethtown, he makes a very bold statement with his shoe, and everybody hates him, and he loses his job. And the impetus for this movie, just some behind the scenes for it, is that Cameron Crowe, after making singles, people didn't like it. It was a failure. and It was? And apparently... Yeah. Dude, why why did every yeah. kid I knew in the sixth grade have a cassette of the soundtrack? <laughs> because that's what Dude, Cameron Crowe's really good oh, at. Okay. Making soundtracks. <laughs> he should professionally do that. But yeah. And then he found that everyone around him that said, like, we're best friends, you can always count on me, left and was no longer wanting to represent him and no longer wanting to work with him. And the people that stuck around were not the people that he thought would stick around, but they became his true friends. And so he wanted to create a movie about that experience and he put it in the the the, the business of sports agency hmm. um but uh but yeah i think that's like i like the impetus of that for this film i think yeah. a lot of people can 
can recognize the false friendships uh, that, but you, I, that you have. You know, I, in life. I also feel I like, like that. that makes sense because it also kind of, you know, it informs this movie's sense of like entitlement. You know, like Tom Cruise mm-hmm. is this guy who has all this money and, you know, everything seems to come easy to him. And then like one slightly bad thing happens to him. And it's like <laughs> all about like, how do I get this thing back? This thing that I need and deserve. And, you know, like, yeah. Uh, and so like Cameron Crowe, and I, I don't know a lot about Cameron Crowe, but like, yeah, he was kind of like this boy genius guy who had all this early early success and, you know, he made all these uh, iconic films. And then, yeah, that makes sense. Like he had one movie that maybe didn't do quite as well. And he like, yeah, the fact that he would treat his like this uh, huge thing. And I, I don't know. I, I, that, I can see that. Uh, that's part of my problem with the movie, I guess. It's just like this, this, uh, this sense of like hardship that Tom Cruise <laughs> projects. Right, and then it's like, no, I don't, I don't care about Jerry Maguire. <laughs> He's a titular character. How can you not? Uh, just yeah. looking at Cameron Crowe's filmography too. Aloha, we mentioned Elizabeth Town. We mentioned he <laughs> he directed. We bought a zoo. Yeah. Did you guys watch that one? No. I don't want to spoil it for you, but they buy a zoo. Oh, that's crazy. He's pretty good with his titles. <laughs> He's pretty good with his titles. <laughs> okay. So, let's go around. I think I might have an inkling of what you guys might say about this movie, but let's go to you, Rob, first. Do you think this movie is rewatchable? You know, I I don't know, man. I I gave it a chance. Yeah. Blaine, that's, I know that's that all you we like ask this on this movie. podcast. That's all we ask. Just and you know, I respect you and I respect your opinions. And I also know that like, you know, sometimes we love things for reasons that uh aren't necessarily connected to their quality. Sometimes yeah. we uh sometimes things connect with us for certain reasons and you know, sometimes it's hard to like show other people what those things are because other people are not you. I think that there's a lot I feel to like this I'm getting movie. Broken up with Jesus. <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're putting well, the gloves on. So. It's not you. <laughs> this is it's why Cameron we're Crow. doing this in a public place, <laughs> so you can't make a scene. Oh my god! But I, yeah, I had to be honest. Like I didn't love this movie, and I think it's interesting because yeah, like with Almost Famous, that's a movie that I connect with. I connect with all the themes and like the 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 music and everything in that movie and so it's hard for me to be critical of it but with this I feel like I have the chance to sort of like look at the same sort of thing and be like oh everything that's wrong with this movie is probably also wrong with Almost Famous. So I mean in that sort of way it's it's really interesting. I might give this another watch. I mean I think that there are some nice moments in here. It's not easy to root for a character who is very well off and, you know, yeah, yeah, his problem is that his, like, income has been decreased by, like, a a couple million dollars. Like, oh, no, (laughs) you know, it's like most of us will never see that kind of money. So it's really hard to to empathize. He still has an office by the beach. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what? At one point he says, you know, put these muffins out there and maybe someday we can afford a, a better office. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you could walk into the ocean from here in your suit. Like, what yeah. are you... Anyway. 
I mean, he can probably, like, the whole thing with, like, the health care for Renee Zellweger, it's probably not that he can't afford it. It's probably just that he wants to make more money. Come on. Like, let's be <laughs> honest. He's just, you know, it's all about yeah, the yeah. money. Show him the money. But anyway, I don't know. I, You know, I'm going to say... I'm going to say mildly rewatchable because I think it is a very well-constructed movie. There's bits that I like. Sometimes Cameron Crowe is really good at, like, getting the atmosphere. Like, when we first see, like, the the divorcees sort of talking in a circle, I was like, oh, this is a really interesting, like, almost anthropological sort of look, you know, at women Mm -hmm. who have, like, gone through divorce, which is really hard. But then he's just, like, mean to them. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, ah. But uh, I don't know. I'm going to say mildly rewatchable. His mom was, he? was one. Yeah. Was she? Yeah. Ah. She's she's the lady that says I really got I really got in touch with my anger. So, mm. so yeah. mildly rewatchable. Okay. Mildly rewatchable. Jan, I hate this movie. <laughs> I hate you for making me watch this movie again. I hate anyone that likes this movie. No, I yeah I <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I honestly I think the best part of the movie is Cuba Gooding Jr. and I feel that yeah. like that's tainted now by the. <laughs> by the multiple allegations against him and he's probably a terrible yeah. person. Um, yeah. so even the best part yeah, of this the movie is, allegation. Yeah. I, I, yeah, but I mean putting that aside, I, I think there's just big problems with this movie. It's asking especially watching it now as an adult, like asking me to cheer for this like wealthy, <laughs> privileged, mm-hmm. mediocre white guy who thinks that uh, you know, he he deserves all of these luxuries. He's, he's fighting for his silver platter. Yeah, he's fighting to get luxury yeah. back. And I just yeah. don't care for it. And it's not even like his thing is a thing that I can get behind in the same way. Like he's a sports agent, which is just like, it's not yeah. even like, you know, he has <laughs> some kind of skill that you're rooting for. <laughs> it's like his whole thing is like, I'm going to try to be nice to people so they can make more money. And it's, I don't know. I just... I I have problems with this movie on fundamental levels and I think yeah. it it fails all of the female characters and I know as a mediocre white man myself like maybe I'm not in the best position to critique that but I do think that like the Renée Zellweger character is uh just, uh, I mean, I, I know the next movie, like Elizabeth Town, is the movie that prompted the coining of the phrase Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Yeah. But I feel like yeah. that is kind of at play a little bit here, too. I know it's not exactly the same thing. Yeah. We see her life, and she is a single mother, and she lives with her sister. But it is all this, it's this fantasy where, like, where the Jerry Maguire character doesn't have to, like, face any real repercussions for, like, the bad the genuinely bad things he does. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I think like she is just a bit of like a, a wish fulfillment fantasy woman in that way. Uh, Though I like her as an actress actually. And you know, this was like a breakout role for her. And I I, like, you get why she's very charming and and she's very good. And uh, you know, it's hard to play off Tom Cruise when he's acting like fucking Al Pacino and Scarface. (laughs) Some of these scenes. (laughs) yeah and but and also like we haven't talked that much about like you know one of the biggest stars who was in this movie uh now is regina king and yeah yeah uh, you know she's great she's so good Uh, but like again like i i don't you know one thing we didn't talk about is uh cameron crowe recently said like oh i have an idea for a jerry Maguire sequel and it would be all about regina king's character and it's like, oh, that's nice. Okay. Now, 
25 years later, <laughs> when that actress happens to be a big star, you have some ideas for her, yeah. some things her character could do, as opposed to just be like aggressive and loud and kind of this yeah. cartoon character who, yeah, doesn't have any depth beyond what you know what she brings to it and she's great like she's always great but i yeah i i don't know i can't help but feel like this movie this this whole movie felt like a cartoon i nothing i i don't know i I didn't like the characters i don't you know by the end of it you get into it a little you know like when you hope cuba getting jr is okay and you want tom cruise (laughs) to go back and you know be with the family and everything to be happy at the end. I kind of, by the end of it, I felt like, you know, if you're in like a restaurant when, when we used to go to restaurants, but if you're in like a restaurant and like a couple next to you gets engaged and they make a big scene and it's noisy and it's like, ah, this is annoying. And I'm sure I don't like these people, but I wish them well. I kind of feel like the whole thing that, or that whole thing applies to this. Like, you know, I don't really like these characters, but I wish them the best. And I never want to think about them ever again. (laughs) Okay, so rewatchable. <laughs> I I'm <laughs> much like you, Jim. Mean, I think it's rewatchable as well. I uh no, I I see all the faults and watching this time was a little bit painful um to see a movie that I had such fond memories of in a, a delighted day and and seeing this character that didn't have a lot of redeeming qualities. I mean, I think Bill Murray can pull that off. I think Tom Hanks can pull that off. I don't think Tom Cruise can. Well, he's um, not playing like an anti-hero. I think we're just supposed to like him. Well, he's playing a guy that's li- trying to live up to a, a, a you know, an ideal. Um, uh, the empathy that he had one night, you know, and I <laughs> and and as a pitch for a movie, I think that's amazing. But yeah, it does fall short of that in a lot of places. I think the I think Cameron Crowe can write dialogue really well. Like I, I really love the line, you know, no one has ever dumped me. And Tom Cruise says, I'm not trying to make history here. Like there's, there's some like really fun dialogue in there, there and yeah. And, and <laughs> lines that's a good line. <laughs> and, and lines that resonated with audiences for years. That's years. true. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk that much about like some of the big pop culture lines. We didn't say help me. Yeah. Help you. Yeah. You, you, you complete me. You know, the Joker said that to Batman. Like, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, that's a pretty potent yeah. phrase. It's, it's yeah, true. like it's it's become huge. Um, I did find it weird just because I, I forgot it was a callback to like when they were in the elevator together. It's weird that it wasn't yeah. like a callback to like their first date or something romantic. It was like, oh yeah, remember that time we were in the elevator together when like I was engaged and like barely knew your name. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it is the moment where they where they first kind of bet on each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a completely flawed movie. It's crass at times, especially with the groping. Regina King and and Cuba Gooding Jr. are like the standouts. They're so good, and their relationship is so good, and they work so well together on screen. And yeah. I, I was going to say before you said that he was talking about a sequel that I would watch a movie of those two characters maybe in 2018. Um, but now time has, has passed. So yeah, I think it's rewatchable. I really do. I think it was such a major milestone movie in Hollywood and and almost one of the last... It, it kind of... It was one of the last big romance comedies. I but it's say. not funny and the um, romance is terrible. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, How can I it be you. a rom com uh, when it's got it's got none of those things that rhyme? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't help you. It is. It, that's how it marketed itself. And then things is like really, really changed in the movie business. So I think it's. I don't know. It's kind of a time capsule too. I think. I think it's worth rewatching. But we'll let the audience decide whether I defended this movie well enough, even through all its faults. <laughs> you know, the um, best defense is a good offense played. I know. I should have. Is that from Jerry Maguire? <laughs> that's the famous line from Jerry Maguire when he's talking about his relationship with Renee Zellweger. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to Rewatchability this week. Uh, you can find us at rewatchability.com. You can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability. And if you don't have any uh, change to throw away and you don't want to give the internet your Some credit coin. card. Yeah, coin. Which was the, that was the line that he thought would catch on. He was like, Quan is going to be really big. That's, that's really going to catch on. Um uh, you can you can just tell a friend about the podcast. That would be really nice. Um, get our get our name out there. So or thank your you agent. so much. Or have your agent call us. Our agent. We have agents, and uh, and they'll get back to you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.